we know, don't we, that we make decisions, we form habits, we choose paths that have got consequences. We all walk these steps. We can all make assessment of our lives and look back and see at different times the decisions that we've made. Some of the decisions that we've made, we will live with now. Some of the decisions that we've made, like with relationships, with jobs, with things that we choose to worry about, will determine our future. We all plot for ourselves a bit of a path. Now, this is understanding your journey, the benefit to seeing where your path is going is a, is a really critical thing. A friend of mine who's, who's in his 50s now went to a thing called career intervention for the middle age. Can you believe that that's a thing? But they had a training course. And the training course was, and it's a, like, it's a stunningly beautiful thing. What you had to do in this training course was take each decade of your life and write a chapter title for it and then a little synopsis of that year of your life. So you had to do that for your note to 10s, right the way through this guy was 50. And then what they asked you to do, after you'd done all that, all that nostalgia, what they said was, right, we need you to write a chapter. So just this is a good thing to do when you get home, or maybe a good thing to do if you've got a bit of time off over Christmas. It's really cathartic. What they said to him was, write a chapter and title it for the next three to see where your story's going. And this, this guy, this friend of mine, said it was really challenging. Because you look back on your life and you see what, like Ebenezer Scrooge, you see the things that you've done that's taking you to this place and you look forward and you want to project it positively because our story really matters. Our capacity to self-assess really matters. The choices we make really matters. Our journey really matters. Jesus brings us, is bringing us to the end of, do you remember at the start of this sermon I said, I'm going to preach about a guy preaching? You're not going to be interested in this? Well, today I'm preaching about the guy at an end of a preach. You should be interested in this. And he, he brings us over this idea that we are, he, he causes us to think about our life's journey as he culminates his sermon. When you get to the end of the sermon, you want to cause people to think about what to do with what you've said. And he gets people in this moment with these incredibly beautiful and deep few verses to think about the journey that they're on. It really matters the journey that we're on, the path that we are taking. God says to us, this really matters and there is chance for intervention. One of the things that we know about God, so we try and think, don't we? How do we understand this God? Where does he intervene in our lives? How does he determine it all? One of the things we know, I think we, we learn this from the books of the prophets in the Old Testament, he knows where our choices go. He looks on at the people of Israel and he sees them turn into greed or he sees them go in their own way and he, he intervenes and he says, look, I know where this goes. We might want God to do this and to do this and to do this. One of the things he does do is he observes our journeys and he knows where they go. He knows where the decisions we're making are going to take us and he seeks to intervene. So I just want to pull three. I think Jesus is pulling this together around this idea of thinking about our journey. I want you to think about your journey. I don't know how many decades or chapters you've got left, but I want you to think about them, and I want them to count. So these are just a few things that I want to pull out of that. First thing I want to say, and I think Jesus is, is saying to us in this text, and I want you to stall over this for a second, because you might not agree with it, is that everybody, one of the things Jesus is saying is we're all on, we're all on these roads. Everybody is on the journey of faith. Everyone's on a journey of faith. So... Um, 
an old philosopher from the 17th century, Blaise Pascal. There's a, there's a, I think is, is it a theory called Pascal's Wager? One of his, one of his, yeah, one of his theories was that every conviction that we have requires faith at some level. Every conviction we have requires faith at some level. This guy was a Christian, so he said, why not, if everything that we do requires faith, why not choose Christianity? Because that's got the best pension, that's got the best benefits. This, this, was, this was his theory. Now, I don't know about the second bit of that. I don't really think that having a bet on God is saving faith. And I think his mates kind of told him that. But the idea that every conviction that we have requires faith has got some merits, I think. The idea of love, this ethereal thing called love, there's some, there's some science for it. There's some neuro things that happen that we can sort of register and understand in our brains. But our inner mechanics are so complicated. There's, there's no way that we can, without faith, really get a handle on what love is. We need a little bit of faith to make it work. We need a belief system. We know that it's out there. We kind of believe in it, but we've got to, we've got to have faith, really, to believe that it's a thing. The origins of our universe, whatever you think they might be, whether you are really strong on the fact that God made us or whether you're wrestling with that and you think that it's just a, a coincidence, it's just um, an accident. Our... Our world is so ancient. Even if that's your theory, our world is so ancient. Our universe is so big. There is so much we don't know that you've got to have. This is what I guess Blaise Pascal were getting at and what we still believe. You've got to have, a, even if this is your conviction, you've got to have a certain amount of faith to believe this. This is, this is I think, one of the first things Jesus gets us to think about. We've all got a, we've all got a, we're all on a faith journey. Everything that we believe, everything that we are convicted about requires a certain level of faith. We've got to sort of come down somewhere. So this is the first thing. It's not an exclusive path for the Christian. I don't think the journey of faith. We're all called to put our cards on the table somewhere, to put our money down somewhere, to drop on something. As we make our way through this world, as we make our way through this life, we're going to do that. The second thing that I think Jesus uh, gets us to think about is the idea that there's no middle road. See what he's saying to us in this text? You see the sort of the picture that he puts before us, Jesus acts as like a fork in the road. One of the things he says to us is, there's no middle road with God. And what I would say is, I think we really like the idea. When I say we, I say we as Yorkshire. I say we as Great Britain. We as the Western world. We like the idea of a middle road kind of God. The idea of a God who's definitely there and has definitely got ideas about how we should live. We don't really like that. The idea that but the idea that there's no God at all, that's pretty scary. But the idea that if we're going through a bit of a tough time, there might just be a God there. If we might have a God that gives us some of the ways to find him, if he's part of the answer. This notion, we kind of like. But Jesus says, what does Jesus say? He says it over and over again. I think he says it particularly in John's gospel, but he says it, says it here as well. He says, and it's really offensive to our contemporary, it's really, really offensive to our contemporary ears. He says, there's a fork in the road with this. There's, there's, only, there's only one way to get there. This bruises, our, this bruises our 21st century ears, doesn't it? It's kind of hard to hear. We think it's intolerant, don't we? 
And yet you and yet you look at you look at the person that says I am the way. This is the thing. This is the place that we get to with this. I think this is the Christian wrestle. You look at Jesus and the way that he acted and who he interacted with. I, th- I think he's the least intolerant person around. He's the least exclusive, most inclusive person around. He, he, broke down, he broke down barriers that nobody else could break down. The story of the Good Samaritan, the way that he brought communities together, the way that he touched the untouchable, the way that he held parties with everybody. Jesus was almost the epitome of inclusion in these times. Yet, at the same time, he forces us to a fork in the road. That's what he does. That's almost, you could say, what he comes to do. He says to us, I'm inclusive. God loves you. God loves everybody. And yet, at the same time, this is the way. How can that be? How can there be such a broad level of love and at the same time, a definitive way to get there. On the one hand, this is something that could cause us to have like internal wrestles for weeks on end. On, on the other hand, it's a really simple thing. It's because he knows where our choices go. Do you know when you've got a friend? Or maybe you are a friend who needs to speak to somebody else who is a friend about the way that they're living. Now, you can be a friend who loves this other person unconditionally. You think, I'm going to love this person, whatever. But because, because I love them unconditionally, because I've got an insight about where their journey's headed, I've got to tell them the truth. You see, these worlds can come together. We can have love for everyone at the same time as there can be a specific way to go. This is what Jesus does. He comes to us as the junction to a world that says, I'd love to have a middle road with God. He says to us in love, look at me, I am inclusive. I am as inclusive as it gets. And yet there's one way you've got to come down on one side or the other. The last thing that he says to us, and I'm realizing this might be the shortest sermon that I've ever delivered. So if you're you're feeling a bit snoozy because it's nice and warm, then you should hang on, hang on for this one because this is... um, This is the last point of the sermon. There's a way that looks, I guess this is the crux of what Jesus is saying. There's a way that looks like you can have everything. There is a way, there is a path that we can choose out there that looks like you can have everything and yet that's more empty than you realize. And there's a way that looks like you'll have to lose everything. This is what Jesus is saying in this text. And yet there's more life there than you could ever know. I can almost imagine Jesus as he references the broad roads and the narrow roads. You've probably got to try and take yourself off to the hills or you've got to try and travel back in time or something like that. You can imagine the road from maybe Jerusalem to Jericho as like a a big road or the main road through town has been a big road that you can cart everything off through. This is kind of the picture that he puts in our head. Off to the side, there's a road that shoots off up the hill that you know you maybe couldn't get all your family up there or you couldn't get all your possessions up there. You're going to have to lose some of this stuff. This, as I thought about this, it reminded me of what is my favorite walk in the, in the whole world. 
It was my 40th, this is how sad I am, it was my 40th birthday treat to myself to walk around the circular that is at Malham that goes around Gordale Scar. I don't know if, if this is familiar to you. You know, Mal the start of Emmerdale has got Malham Cove on it. Next to Malham Cove, somewhere even more beautiful than Malham Cove, is Gordale Scar. And you walk down the start of Gordale Scar and it's like a tourist route. It's a broad road. Everybody who's pretending to be outdoorsy is on this. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's got, they've got all their outdoor gear on. Everyone's bombing down this road. It's rammed full of people. And then you get to what is still a path but looks like a waterfall. It's got a bit of a waterfall on it, and the path really narrows, and it gets incredibly steep. And the first couple of times I went there, it was really raining heavily, and I said, you just can't, you can't possibly get up there. In fact, uh, I, I made the mistake of taking a bunch of young people to do this walk, wouldn't it? the last church we were at, and, and we said to the young people, everyone should prepare a bag for the walk. Everyone get a bag. So most people got a, a bag, very narrow, you know, a little rucksack, one kid, you know, is a God-loving kind of kid. He packed everything that he had into this rucksack, even his tent. He downed his tent. And we were staying another night, and he still downed his tent, downed his tent, put on his back. He had everything in there. Walking along the broad road, he was fine. Then we got to the waterfall, and he said, Ash, I'm never going to get up there. And I, said, and I hadn't noticed him to this point. I said, what, what on earth have you got in that? But he had magazines. He had magazines with him to help him sleep. I'm saying, you're going to have to drop this because you're never going to get up there. If you've been up this path, it's about 20 seconds of courage as you make your way up to the top. You've got to sort of lean out into the, in, into the sort of lean back, climb over this rock, and then you're up into what is the most beautiful walk you can imagine. It's just so gorgeous. What is, what is Jesus getting at as he gives us this, this insight and this parable? I think it's this. You can look at life. There's a way that you can look at life and think it's just about taking what you can with you. It's just about having an easier life as you can get. It's just about doing what everybody else is doing. You can look at life like that. This is about getting from here to there and having as much fun and as much stuff as you can. You can, it's possible to look at life like that. Jesus is asking us to look at our life ahead. This is a way that you can look at life. But actually, the end of that is more empty than you realize. Actually, ultimately, and I think we see this, don't we? Ultimately, that could be a root. If, if, if living for stuff is all that you do, if it's just about getting as much in that rucksack as you can, then actually this can be a ruinous thing. Or, Jesus says to us, we can look at life another way. We can choose another route, another way through this life. If we choose this route, it might mean that we've got to drop some stuff along the way. Why have we got to drop the stuff? What is this about this narrow road? Why, why would we drop stuff? I think what Jesus is saying to us in this story is, he's not just pointing us off up to the hillside and saying, go wandering up there. I want life to be as hard as, as it can be for you. He's saying to us, this is the way that I'm going up here. This narrow road, this road of sacrifice, this road of greater glory is the way that I'm going. And if you're going to follow me up there and you dwell on any of the stories of Jesus, you spend five minutes looking into him. If you have him as your king, as your person that you go to, you can't keep, you don't even want to keep all of the stuff 
that you can accumulate in life. This is part of what he's saying. If I'm going this way, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get up there to the heights that I'm going to take you to. You're not going to be able to keep all of that stuff with you. You're not even going to want to because you're not going to want to travel with me. Why is it a better way? How is it a better way to not have to not go down the broad road and go down the narrow road? Why is this a better way? I think because you realize this is part of the answer, because you realize what really matters. You know, we talked about um, a Christmas carol film at the start, Ebenezer Scrooge, who gets this point at the end of the story where he has this revelation of what it means to really live. And his business is maybe going down the drain, and he's dropped a load of the stuff that he was carrying, and yet, for the first time in the whole film, he's got like he's singing a dainty carol in most of them. He's got joy in his heart. He's really alive for the first time. He's got relationship for the first time. He's got hope for the first time. I think this is what Jesus is saying to us. We have the opportunity down that narrow road, even though it's narrow, of real life, real life. Do you know when the other, I'm trying to think maybe how to explain this, the only other way I could think about it was don't know if you've ever had a brush with your mortality or you've, 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 you've known, you've loved somebody who's passed away and all of the things that have felt important to you in your life, the idea that you might achieve success or power or popularity or whatever, somehow they can become really like insignificant, can't they? And, and the everyday things like relationship, like just enjoying creation, out of nowhere, it can just become incredibly like beautiful and real at the same time. But I don't think that's all that Jesus is telling us about this way and where it leads us. Because it doesn't just give us a different perspective. But the place that Jesus ends up, Jesus isn't just talking about life. He's talking about eternal life. The place that Jesus is going doesn't have an end. We've got real hope if we go down this narrow road. Jesus reorders us when we follow him down the road to see what abundant life is really like. I've got three questions to hang over you just to, to try and see if we can deal with this subject. Three questions to put out there. First question is this, to see if we can, see if we can do anything with this text, see if we can do anything with these words that Jesus has given. The first question would be, which way are you going? It's worth just pausing over that for a second. Which of these two paths, if you had to if you had to really think about it, which of the two roads are you going down? I think Jesus taught, takes us to that place. He says, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the decisions you're making. I want you to think about which road you're going down. Second thing I want you to think about is, which way would you want to go? I don't know about you, but I'm like aching. Like I find myself on the broad road often. Every time somebody in a decent car drives past me, I'm on that broad, I'm straight there. But actually... What I want is those moments when life is really real, really beautiful, when I've got like real, like real hope for the future. That's the life I want. Last question, which way do you need to go? I don't look at our world at the moment and think at all we need any more people on that broad road. I don't think we look at our world and think we need any more stuff. I think we need to change of direction. What's Jesus saying to us? 
on the route and on the rest of our lives, we've got to come down somewhere on this. We've got to end up on somewhere on this. And the question is, I think, that it leaves before us is, where do you think that the most life is? <laughs>